on a mission to help lawyers and law firm owners maximize wealth and achieve financial independence. Welcome to The Lawyer Millionaire with Darren Words from Words Financial Services. In this podcast, we will help you build wealth, minimize your taxes, and plan for retirement with money management strategies designed for the legal profession. Join us in this journey where we help you manage your money so you can make the most of your future. Start feeling confident in knowing you are well prepared for retirement and on track to financial independence. Now on to the show. Inflation may not be a sexy topic, but it impacts more than you may think, including investments. Well, Darren Wirtz tackles inflation today with a guest, his brother, Travis. He's also in the family business of financial planning with a focus on realtors. Travis, tell us a bit more about your education and what you do. Yeah, my name's Travis Wirtz. Uh, I went to University of Toledo and work up here in not really our main office, but I guess we did start in Toledo, so I can claim that. <laughs> um, I ended up working with a lot of real estate agents, just the real estate industry, work with a lot of lenders and title people as well, but mostly also a lot of self-employed people. So it's something I specialize in is uh, planning for specifically self-employed people, how to set up retirement, uh, accessible investments, and just overall planning when you're self-employed and the struggles that that can cause. Uh, as well as just people in general, people planning for retirement, uh, young people looking to buy a house and stay for retirement and those kind of things. But Darren, you said today we're going to talk about inflation, right? So everything, everybody's talking about it. Prices are going up just about everywhere. But tell us exactly what is inflation? Yeah, what is it? it we're seeing it everywhere, right? On the headlines. It's like it's all over the news. We're seeing it in political advertisements now <laughs> as we're getting close to midterm season and all that. It seems to be the, the major topic, right? Uh, what is this all about? Well, in its most basic sense, inflation is simply the phenomenon of prices going up everywhere. And I think a lot of us are seeing that in, in various things, you know, whether you're buying a car or buying a house, you're probably seeing it there. You're probably seeing it at the grocery store, you know, and I've certainly noticed my grocery bill has gone up recently. <laughs> um, Patrice, I don't know if you've had any of those experiences. Oh, goodness um, gracious. Oh, don't even go there. Yes. You know, and it's funny because like my car, I drive a Camry and it, uh, it doesn't cost very much to, to uh, fill up, but you know, it used to be 30 bucks. Now it's 50 bucks, you know? <laughs> so yeah, we're seeing this everywhere. It's, it's the price of everything seems to be going up. Um, we're seeing it in, especially in some really focused areas like uh, used cars and things like that. Mm -hmm. You know, it's, it's, uh, it's this phenomenon. And Travis, you, you've had some uh, education in economics and business. Uh, tell us what, what causes all this? What is this all about? Yeah, well, you know, I think the technical definition is the rate at which our prices and goods and services rise. But no, you, you're you drive a Camry, so you try having a truck. I I used to drive a Mustang, but I sold it for a Jeep. I thought maybe you know you get better gas mileage, but it actually get worse. So <laughs> it really really stinks. You talk about it like gas is just crazy. Would you say what what is causing it? I think you can't really pinpoint it on one thing. It's just like so many things are all coming together that can be causing it like recently what china is going into another lockdown and like that's what is that that's not going to help our 
mm. already continuing supply issues that we're having, which is, I think, uh, like when we came out of COVID or not came out of it, but like the initial lockdown, uh, I think that the demand rebounded very quickly. Mm. <laughs> but, yeah, there wasn't the, like the supply chain to support that. I think that caused a lot of problems. Um, obviously, this war with Russia and Ukraine you know, being big oil exporters oh, is yeah. causing, <laughs> we talk about gas. So I did also hear this thing, like pe people are expecting to make more money. You know, like I want to make more, I should be making more that, you know, everything mm. costs more money. And <laughs> I don't know if you've ever heard of like a wage price spiral. I was reading about that where people basic people want, you know, are demanding to make more money because everything costs more. But then if they're paying people more, then the costs of goods go up and it ends up creating like this spiral uh, until like inflation comes down. I was just reading about that the other day. Yeah, I think we're seeing some of that. Aren't, don't they call that or aren't they terming that the great resignation? You know, there's uh, so many people are looking for workers. They're willing to pay a premium <laughs> and, you know, people are are switching jobs, looking for other opportunities where they can earn more, you know? So yeah, I think we are seeing a lot of that. Now you mentioned something interesting about selling your Mustang and buying your Jeep. <laughs> and there was a weird thing that happened when you sold your Mustang. Oh yeah. It was crazy. Because of inflation. Tell us about that. Yeah. This wasn't even recently. I mean, it was recently, it was a year ago, almost exactly. But, um, I was put this car for sale and you know you look it up on kelly blue book or, that's what i do you know when i put something for sale and i just put it what the very highest price that it could possibly be that i never thought it would get because it had an accident reported and had a hundred thousand miles and i think i was like right before i went to bed i just posted it for like twenty four thousand or something and you know it has a hundred thousand i'm like there's no way I, and in the morning i had a message from a dealership and they said hey we'll the price is fine. We'll drive to you. We have cash. <laughs> I'm like, this doesn't even seem legitimate, but they did. They came to me. They were driving another car that they had just bought. And just because I said, we, we don't have any used cars. Like we, we don't even need to make money on them or that. We just need things to sell. It's just mm. crazy. And so, so they're willing to pay a premium. Yeah. And then we had a, another recent experience. Um, I totaled the family car, which was, uh, which was great. Um, we won't get into all of that, of course, but you know, mom and dad went to buy a new van and well, the, the price that, that the insurance company paid was more than the original cost of the van be just because of inflation and because yeah. of what, and they've had it for like only or, three years or so, not, not that long. Yeah. So it, it is really, really crazy. And it is crazy. I mean, the levels that we're seeing now are levels that haven't been seen since the 1980s. Uh, CPI is one way that uh, economists measure inflation. It's the consumer price index. Basically, you have a basket of different goods and services and they track how they change. And then uh, there are adjustments for seasonality and things like that. But the CPI annual rate last it was put out was I think eight and a half percent, which is insane. So uh, last year from last year to this year, 
average price of things has gone up eight and a half percent. Um, so it is, it's, it's pretty strange. And, um, Travis in, in stuff that you've studied, is this something that's kind of new or have we seen this before at some point? Well, you know, like obviously some part of inflation is normal and it's normal to have inflation. Uh, and I think there's a group of people that argue that the point of inflation is to combat deflation. Uh, so it is normal. Um, but like you said, but you know, it hasn't been this high since, you know, in the 1970s and early eighties when things were this high. Um, so it's normal to an extent, it's not normal, you know, to see eight spikes. Like, yeah. you know, like we have, <laughs> I think everybody's talking about it because when it is normal, you know, like 2%, 3%, that's kind of how it's been the last 10 years. You don't really feel it as much, you know, because uh, a lot of jobs will give you like a little 2% bump every year or whatever. So you don't feel things getting more expensive. Um, but like everything coming together right now, like gas prices, we didn't talk about houses, but that's another thing. Like we were looking for a house and there, there's two sides of that too, because we'll probably get into this, but interest rates. So I know what a lot of people are thinking is, okay, I might pay more money for a house right now, but it might be okay because if interest rates go to like 7%, but I'm at four and I pay more, like maybe, maybe my overall cost is, is the same, yeah. you know? So I think that's also what's in people's, cause I've, I was told that advice by our real estate agent. They're like, well, if rates are going to go up, you know, it, it, it might be okay to pay a little bit more. And I think that's causing people to pay even more for, yeah. it, 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 you know, accelerating this whole thing. Sure. Um, and people but, are expecting those rates to go up. Uh, be, you know, and, and so they're trying to get in, right. I want to, I want to get my right. house now while I can, you know, so now I want to, I want to talk about our clients, you know, so, uh, are you hearing clients talk about this? What's the big concern here? And when your discussions with people, what are you hearing people say? People mostly just, you know, they hear on the news, inflation, this and inflation, that, and I think people are mostly just worried, like, is this going to affect me? You know, like, should, should we be worried? A lot of our clients don't understand everything that goes on. So they, they want to know, like, is inflation going uh, to affect me? Should we, should we move our money to something else? Um, it's one of the biggest uh, struggles of retirement planning is inflation. Mm -hmm. So, you know, when people hear yeah. about things spiking, they yeah get super concerned. That's a really big one. So yeah, when we do our retirement planning, we use a program called Money Guide Pro for those who are listening. And it's a great program because one of the really cool things is we can build in an inflation rate on different things, you know, that we're planning for. And usually we, you know, put a higher rate of inflation on certain things like healthcare because your costs yeah. are going to grow throughout retirement. And we talked about this in the last podcast episode on retirement planning for attorneys. We talked about the need to think about inflation seriously. And, you know, for a long time, that really hasn't been something that's big on people's minds. But if inflation is as high as it is right now, that's, and it, and it stays that way, that's going to be a really big thing for retirement planning. And people are really going to need to adjust their retirement plans. Because here's the thing if you make 
uh, let's say you average 10% a year in the stock market. If inflation is 3%, you're getting a real yield of seven or something, you know, close to it. Um, Mm -hmm. But if inflation is 8%, you're only actually making truly maybe about 2% on your money. And that's just not going to be enough for a lot of retirement plans. A lot of retirement plans are going to need to be revised to accommodate those potentially higher uh, rates of inflation. Now, the other thing that I'm noticing is clients are concerned about their portfolio. (laughs) Mm -hmm. Um, You know, what does inflation mean for stocks? Can you give us some clues there, Travis? Yeah, sure. Well, you know, like you said, last time we saw this was in the late 70s, early 80s. And, you know, what did the stock market do then? It it seemed like there was a lot of volatility Mm -hmm. when things initially came up, but everything did pretty well. I don't, I don't know exactly, but I know it was more than 10%. There was like 15% year, 20% or so a year. Uh, so it, it, the stock market does not correlate with inflation, but it is a good hedge to inflation. Um, mm-hmm. One of the things I want to go back to is you asked me about my clients. We talk a lot about retired people. Um, I don't know about you, but I have, we were also talking about houses. I have a lot of young clients that are the same way. They're like, should I you know, should I wait? You know, is is, inf- is everything going to come back to normal? Um, so that's another thing. Mm. <laughs> uh, pe- people are, you know, like, should I buy a house if I'm only going to live there for, you know, maybe this is our first home and we might only be there for five years. So then you get into the conversation about renting. Mm. But I don't know if you've looked at how much it costs to rent, Very which expensive. is astronomical as well. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So there's really just there's no escape, you know. It's it's pervasive, which is really uh, the the frustrating and difficult thing. And mm-hmm. and you're totally right. You know, in the '70s there was a bear market for a little while. It doesn't didn't last forever. So that's the thing. You know, there may be some volatility here, and really the volatility is going to be caused by how the Fed deals with inflation. And their biggest tool, well, they've got two tools interest rates, which they've already started raising. And the other thing is reducing their balance sheet. And a lot of people don't understand the balance sheet, but basically the way the Fed helped to support and prop up the stock market during COVID was to go out in the marketplace and buy treasuries and mortgage-backed securities. You know That provided liquidity very quickly, very easily to the marketplace. But their balance sheet expanded to astronomical levels. I mean, they did this in 2008 during the financial crisis, and everybody was concerned then. But what we've seen over the last couple of years in the expansion of the Fed's balance sheet makes that seem like small potatoes. <laughs> um, I think they, they expanded their balance sheet by like $7 trillion worth of, of, of treasuries. And that, you know, economics 101, right? You, you create... the money supply to that extent, you're going to have inflation. You know, it's all about the money supply. So now they're in a position where they're going to start maybe shrinking that balance sheet. The last time they did this was in 2018. And if you recall in 2018, at the very end, Travis, <laughs> that was fun. What happened? Tell us what happened. Yeah, everything, everything seemed to tank. But then we had a nice Santa Claus rally, but it, it wasn't a good time. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it was it was very stressful. It was ugly. Yeah. Um, now they, you know, I think the Fed really has an interest in trying to keep the markets going. You know, so 
if if volatility gets too bad, they're going to back off, you know. But I, I think it would be right to expect some volatility, maybe not as bad as 2018. Maybe things could be a little bit um, less volatile. But I think that's that's going to be an expectation. Uh, but you know, one thing you mentioned, and it's very good, is that stocks generally do keep pace with inflation. Um, one of the better asset classes for keeping pace with inflation. You know, you don't want to put your money in a, a treasury bond yielding two and a half percent if inflation is eight. You know, that <laughs> that's mm-hmm. going to be really hard, especially if rates are rising, because rates going up means the value of bonds goes down. And so that's going to be really tough. Right. Um, and one of the reasons for, you know, why stocks uh, correlate like that sometimes is as they increase their prices, uh, it's a way for investors or you know people that are buying stocks and uh, mutual funds that to participate in that rise in prices. Definitely, definitely. Now, Travis, do you get questions? I you know I get questions. You know, clients want to buy certain things. They want to buy commodities or they want to buy gold. It seems like gold is the one. Okay, so you know, should, like- should we? <laughs> We we laugh about this. You know, I have I have client. Uh, probably every every week, I'll have at least somebody that calls me and say, "I think we should put everything in gold." <laughs> <laughs> you know, it's typically yeah. the same five clients. But yeah, I see gold. We were talking about this. It's it's like I think there's like four things. Okay, if you if you can Google it, like what yeah. should I buy to hedge inflation? And you'll get gold and commodities and real estate or real estate mm-hmm. investment trusts. Um, so, yeah, yeah. you know, it, it, it's just a tough question because yeah. talk about like hedge inflation, does that mean just like if inflation's high, we want something that's like maybe inflation is 8%. So we want something that's going to be up around eight, maybe next year inflation's two. So like, do we want something that also does that? Yeah. You know, and I guess they talk about historically gold has kept pace with inflation but it really hasn't if you look back like there have been mm. times where inflation has been high yeah. actually i think in the 80s but but gold had losses so yeah it's it, not a, it's not a perfect correlation and the problem is for investors we don't need to just keep pace with inflation. We need to outpace inflation. There you know, you that's, go. Uh, that, now, these clients may be right. You know, maybe <laughs> you know, a year from now, we might look back and say, darn, we should have put everything in gold. You know, about gold bricks. <laughs> but there's no real way of knowing that. It really, you know, you want to stay, it, it might be smart to have some of these things in your portfolio. Our strategies right now do have some exposure to gold, commodities, real estate, and things like that. But you want to make sure you're diversified. And really, the more important thing is to make sure that you have a strategy. Yeah, there you you go. A really good rules-based strategy, and that's what we can provide, obviously. But there's, there's one very interesting thing that we've been thinking about, and that is what about money in the bank? Because you know, if I have all the financial planners recommend that you you have three to six months of savings in a bank account, but the banks aren't paying anything. So if I have you know thirty grand in a checking account, I'm in inflation is eight percent. I'm basically losing eight percent a year. You know that's not fun. So, but we have we have a salute potential solution for this, don't we? 
We do. Yeah. So th this is kind of something that <clears throat> I coined off personally. I was just had this money sitting in my bank uh, to pay taxes, emergency fund. And this is really something I, I, I didn't coin it. I lied. I, it came from our dad, Richard, who brought us in the business. But he's always <laughs> he, he would use high yield bonds. So that was like his uh, his bank strategy okay <laughs> now that wasn't probably the best place to to do that because it correlated with the stock market a lot mm. but um you know we had this or i guess i had this similar thinking where maybe there's something better that i can do with this money that's in the bank that is set aside for you know emergencies or taxes or just reserves right so you know darren you, you help put together we call it a cash management strategy which is mostly designed you know, people talk about risk and aggressive you know and sometimes they're they're not the same thing because the the objective of the strategy is is low risk you know how can yeah. we have low risk right um but but it has performed relatively decent over a long period of time right yeah. So we designed that to have the least amount of possible drawdown. Um, it's not a very aggressive strategy, but historically it's done fairly well, uh, at least better than, you know, just a static bank account. Now it's not without volatility, you know, it still can have some volatility. That's the thing you have to be aware of. So this is a kind of strategy to use with those funds that you don't expect to use. So emergency funds would be a good good thing for it. But you know, people I do get asked this question, you know, should I invest my emergency funds? You know, I mean, because people do have this concern about losing money, you know, um because of inflation in their in their uh, in their emergency reserves. But this strategy, uh, it's a tactical strategy. So it, it's, it changes. It's designed to change with the stock market and with things. Um, you have to be all, smart with it. You can use a, yeah. right. you know, so it's not as if you just take your emergency fund and put it all in you know, a growth fund and then sure. you know, the stock market plummets and then you, know, you need this money and it's not there. So you know, yeah. it's, it's super important to have some sort of risk managed strategy. Um, but the biggest thing, this is what was amazing. I didn't know you could have a checkbook linked to an investment account. And maybe it's, you know, this is a thing and I just didn't know about it. But I found out a couple of years ago. And, and that really, I mean, obviously you can transfer to your bank in a day and that, but it just made it feel more accessible. Yeah. Um, but one thing that I find that a lot of people don't realize is that you can have an investment account that is accessible. Uh, yeah, you know, I think people have this thought that like when you like this money's in my bank, right? Because and, and, I, I can touch it. It's in my bank and I can see it. And, and they feel that when you do something with it, it's just it's just more not there. It's somewhere else. And it, yeah. you know, it's locked away or something. <laughs> you have a great term for it. Uh, I think you call it the brokerage, brokerage checking account. <laughs> there it is. The brokerage checking account. Yeah, yeah so it is a brokerage account with a checkbook checking capabilities. That, this is what I use for my uh, write my taxes, and you know when tax time comes around, write my quarterly checks out of it, and I use it for emergencies yeah. and stuff. Yeah, a lot of self-employed people um, have to pay quarterly taxes. So I, I you know, have clients. A lot of attorneys are in that boat, and so they use the cash management strategy. Uh, exactly for for that. Now, you know, again, it doesn't make money all the time. It does have some volatility to it. 
but it, 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 it's better for them. They're willing to take that level of risk, uh, to, to hopefully do a little bit better over time. So Mm -hmm. I want to make one comment, you know, what we're talking about before, which was, you know, what, what can, what can you buy or what can you invest in to combat inflation? And I think that the whole conversation is thought about maybe in the wrong way. And the only reason I say that is, okay, inflation's at 8% this year. Have you had any clients call you, Darren, that said, hey, I need to raise my monthly div- monthly income by 8% because inflation's at 8%. Has anybody told you that? Hmm. No, not that I can think of. No, me neither. Right. So, you know, it's not that like if inflation's at, you know, 2% or 8%, that that really your your income or that needs to change that much. And we, we did talk about this, but what's more important mm-hmm. is that over a period of time that you're consistently making more than inflation. Yeah. It, it could be if you're young and, and just saving money or if you're retired and, you know, uh, creating an income for yourself. Sure. So anyway. Great thoughts. Well, thanks, Travis, for, for joining us today. This has been a great discussion on inflation and, you know, hopefully things start to cool down, but we'll see what happens. Patrice, I'm going to hand it it back over to you. Well, I'm going to come right back at you and say, Darren, how can (laughs) listeners reach you? Absolutely. Yeah. So if if this is a concern for you, you want someone to talk with, you can definitely reach out to us. Uh, The best way is just to go to the website. That's wurtzfinancialservices.com. And at the bottom of the page, you just scroll down, you can find a link to my calendar, to Travis's calendar, and you can set up a phone call or uh, a meeting of any kind. All right, then. This is the Lawyer Millionaire Podcast. Follow, share, O-O-O, and get the book of the same name. Darren, it should be out pretty soon, right? That's right. Coming out, hopefully, sometime around the end of June. So I don't have a definite date yet, but it's coming. All right. That is The Lawyer Millionaire. I'm Patrice Sikora, and let's talk again later. Thank you for listening to The Lawyer Millionaire. Click the follow button below to be notified when new episodes become available. This content has been made available for informational and educational purposes only. This content is not intended to represent investing or tax advice. Always seek the advice of a qualified investment or tax advisor with any questions you may have regarding your own financial circumstances.